Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 61 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 3rd of July, 2011, entitled, Scriptural Salvation, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from the book of Jude, verse 1, and verse 20 to 25. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to read a few verses from the book of Jude. I'm not going to read the entirety of the chapter chapter again as we did last week and as we pick up again on our series. Today we're the 61st sermon in our series on contending for the faith and part two of what we're simply calling scriptural salvation. The book of Jude, I invite you to stand with me to honor God's holy word in Jude and verse 1. The Word of God says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, notice who he's writing to, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And over in verse 20, but ye, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I will read to you once again as we begin to look back into this portion of Scripture. The two statements that I read from you last week from our statement of faith as a church, and these two dealing particularly with man and salvation. We say, first of all, in our third statement on our statement of faith, says we believe that man was created in the image of God. But because of Adam's transgression, his disobedience, that the whole human race failed. Because of this, all men are totally depraved and without Christ, spiritually dead and lost. All men everywhere are sinners, both by nature and by choice. To die in this condition is to be damned forever and eternally separated from God. We state that as being the condition of man in his lost condition. But then the fifth of our statements dealing with salvation says, we believe that salvation is only in Christ. To obtain this salvation is to repent of one's sin toward God and to have faith toward Christ, to receive him in the heart by faith. This great salvation is solely by grace, a free gift through the shed blood of the Son of God. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the sins of the whole world, all mankind. 
as a work of God's grace and not man's works. It is an eternal work. Those who are truly saved can never be lost again. Those who are truly saved will persevere until the end. It entails what Christ called the new birth, being born again, being born again from above by the word of God, the instrument, and the spirit of God, the person. Now, of course, those are pretty short statements when you think of all that we know and believe about salvation, but it tries to sum up the major points of what we believe there that others can know what we believe. Now, I'm not going to go back. If you missed last week's part one, when we began to look at this thought of scriptural salvation, I said I'm calling it scriptural salvation to start with because that's the only true salvation. We went through some of the things, and yes, I mentioned some of the groups, whether it was the World Council of Churches, whether it was the evangelicals and Catholics together in groups that have come together in recent years. People that in bygone years have been known as staunch, strong evangelicals of the faith. And yet they have joined hands and simply many times we hear the same terms being used. We hear people talk about being saved and being born again and being converted and becoming a Christian and all these things. But we cannot base our salvation on what man says we need to do to become a child of God. We cannot base our salvation upon what any church or any denomination says is salvation because there are many, and it's clear that they define them, though using the same words, they define them very differently. Now, we went through and what I tried to break down into, I think it was four simple areas, that if we're going to look at salvation, I'm saying that regardless, you know, doesn't matter what our statement of faith says if it's not based upon the scriptures. It doesn't matter what any church says. It doesn't matter what any tradition tries to prove. When it comes right down to it, if salvation is anything at all, it is from God. And we have already looked early in our series of the basis of our faith, the only basis, the only foundation that our faith can be built upon is the Word of God. Everybody likes grace. Everybody likes love. Nobody likes judgment. Everybody says that what they believe is based on the Bible. Well, I'm saying to you, when you stand before God one day, it won't do you any good to say there and say, well, preacher Larry said it was so-and-so, and so that's the way it is. It won't do any good to stand there and say that the Baptist said this or this church said that or somebody else said that. This is the book that we'll be judged by. And I'm saying that even regardless, I hope you can have some level of confidence that your preacher is preaching the word of God. But in the end, it is your responsibility to search yourselves and to know that it's based upon God's word. As we look there today, once again, I said that scriptural salvation, not what the world says, not what all these groups that are coming together that 
makes absolutely no sense in the world. What does the God of the God of the Word and the Word of the God have to say about his salvation for you and I? We said that first of all, that scriptural salvation had to consider the condition of the sinner. That's what's in our statement of faith. Man is lost. Man has absolutely no hope of himself. All men, everywhere, and we looked at so many of those passages, the condition of the sinner. If scriptural salvation doesn't begin with where man is in his depraved, sinful state, absolutely nothing that he can do for himself, then it's not scriptural salvation. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody but nobody can get there any other way. And of course, the scriptural salvation not only must deal with the condition of the sinner, but it must deal with the consequences of that sin. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. And we looked at a number of passages in recognizing that all men everywhere are sinners and that as a result of that sin, all men everywhere are destined for death and an eternity in that place called hell. The consequences of sin, you can't bypass that and have scriptural salvation. Thirdly, Scriptural salvation must not only deal with the condition of the sinner, the consequence of our sin, but the conviction of the Spirit. Holy Ghost conviction. Man can't come to recognize himself what a sinner that he really is. Man cannot come to recognize and realize what Jesus Christ has done for him without the Holy Spirit moving in his life. The Bible itself tells us that spiritual things cannot be discerned by the natural man. You see, some people think that it doesn't matter whenever they want to. They can say some little three-point prayer. They can sign some kind of a card. They can go through the religious things that they need to go to to become a Christian. I'm saying that nobody can be saved without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We looked at a number of scriptures. We recognize that that is a necessity. A person must be convicted. So we've got the condition of the sinner. We've got the consequences of that sin. We've got the conviction of the Holy Spirit that moves upon a person for, by grace, are you saved through faith? God's glorious grace. But the only way, the only path, the only avenue to that salvation is through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can go and say, I'm sorry, until we're blue in the face. We can beg for forgiveness until we can't speak anymore. But unless that is accompanied by the faith in recognizing that Jesus Christ alone paid for our sins, that it's only by him that we even have access to the Father to ask for his forgiveness, that God will forgiveness because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of what he has done for us. The condition of the sinner, the consequence of our sin, the conviction of the Spirit, and fourthly, conversion. 
to the Savior. You see, when that Holy Spirit conviction comes and we begin to recognize that we are a sinner and we recognize our lost condition and we recognize what Jesus Christ has done and what he alone has done, repentance is about turning and going another direction. We see our sin as God sees it and we turn away from it and we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as we turn away from the world to follow him and him alone. And we looked at a number of passages of what the Bible says. You see, it's not a matter of what words you say or what card you sign, how many times you're baptized or what church you're a part of or any of those things. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm saying, folks, that we sum that up by saying that scriptural salvation is a sound salvation. It's sound because it's grounded in the Word of God, not in any man, not in any church, not in any denomination, not in any tradition. I challenge you to take all of those verses that we looked at and show me how scriptural salvation can be any other way. But secondly, I want to give you another glorious truth today about scriptural salvation. Not only is it scriptural salvation sound because of where it's grounded, <laughs> scriptural salvation is a sure salvation. It's a sure salvation. I'm telling you that when mankind, man, woman, boy, or girl, by the work of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, we find that when they come to recognize that sinful condition, those consequences, when by the work of the Spirit they realize that Jesus Christ alone is their only hope for redemption and forgiveness through his dying in their place, through his shedding his own blood, through his being buried in death in our place, through his rising again the third day, victorious, winning the victory over death, over hell, over the grave, all by God's glorious grace. Through faith alone in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, when man repents, when man is converted, when man is truly born again, when man is made a new creation in Christ, then and only then, can salvation be sure? Can it be certain? But folks, today, scriptural salvation is sure. And sure you can be. When you've been scripturally saved, when you've been scripturally born again, you don't have to go around wondering if you're going to be okay when you face God one day. You don't have to go around hoping that you've done what you needed to do if you're still hoping then you haven't attained. The reality is, if you're basing it on the Word of God, you can have surety, not because of how you feel, not because of what you've done, but because of your total faith and confidence in what Jesus Christ has done for you and what God alone has told you in His Word. I came to a point, even after in the ministry, 
when I was still struggling for that assurance because I'd even get up and preach sometimes and others would be saved and then I'd get alone and God said, oh, you know, well, the devil would say to me, okay, they're getting saved, but how do you even know you saved yourself? I've shared my testimony with you before. How that car right outside of Greenville, South Carolina came to a stop beside the road one night and I knew with everything within me that car was not moving another space. It wasn't going anywhere until me and the Lord had this settled between us. <laughs> and the truth was, you know what it came down to that night in that car? Not because I'd done something that some church had told me to do. Not because that somebody had laid hands on me, because somebody had prayed for me, because of anything that anybody had done. But what it came down to is when I went back to the Word of God, I had to come to an absolute certain conclusion, and that was I hadn't based it on anything except exactly what God had said. If what I had done to be saved wasn't sufficient, I never had any chance of being saved, and neither did anybody else. But if what God said was certain, I was sure. Why? Because, you see, I was confused because I, I couldn't remember some of those words that I'd prayed when I'd first come forward as, a, as an 11-year-old boy. I couldn't remember exactly what I'd said. I couldn't remember exactly what somebody else had said to me. I couldn't even remember when I'd come forward as a 21-year-old young man, broken. I couldn't remember what I'd prayed and what I'd said had I done everything I needed to do. But you know what? I could never, ever forget. I knew what took place in my heart. I knew that with everything within me, that whatever words that I used, that I knew that I was crying out for forgiveness. I knew that I wanted to be forgiven of my sins. And I knew that Jesus Christ was the only reason and the only way that that could take place. I knew what had taken place in here. And there was no doubt about that. Friend, that's what you need to know today. Your words can be useless. They can be meaningless. But what's taking place within your heart? And you see, if scriptural salvation, if it's sound, if it's based upon the word of God, then I want you to know that it's sure. Look with me to the gospel of John. I'm going to give you a few passages and we'll move on because simple truth is scriptural salvation. It's a sound salvation because it's from the word of God. Let the verses speak to you. How can you say, how can you know absolute certainty that if you're really born again, that it's that sure, that it's that certain? Well, first of all, in John chapter one, verse 12 and 13, the word of God says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If your salvation is based upon what we talked about last week, then we can look right here and the word of God says that if you've believed and called upon him as we talked about last week, then you are one of his children. You've been born 
Not by man, not, what, not by what man wants to do or anything, but by God himself. You've been born into his family. Look over a bit further in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, notice what the word of God says beginning in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. They spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. That jailer was certain. He was sure what had taken place. Why? Because they had taken the word of God. His belief, his faith was in what God had said and what God had done. Look a few pages over in your Bible to the book of Colossians. In Colossians, first of all, chapter 1, notice what he says in verses 12 to 14. He says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Do we believe that? If we have been born again, if we've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says we've been taken out of that darkness and we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Notice what he says in the next chapter, chapter two. Notice what he says beginning there in verse nine. He says, for in him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Notice what he says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive together with him, with Jesus, 
having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. That's what the Word of God says has taken place. If you've truly done what God says that you need to do to be born again, that's where you are in your new life. Look back what John also says in 1 John chapter 1. He says a very, very familiar passage. Beginning in verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise. That's the promise that's been given to each and every one of us. And I give you one passage, one final passage in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, notice what he says. Wonderful promise. Let's begin reading in verse, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace." wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ and whom, also ye, and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession in the praise of his glory. If you've truly believed, if you've truly put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he's the one. Listen, your salvation is all of God. It's all of God. 
The Bible says he planned it before the foundation of the world was even laid. God already saw you. God already knew you. God had already made plans for your salvation in Jesus going to the cross and dying for you. Let me tell you something. God's never done a partway job in his life. When you put your faith and the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the simple truth is this. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it to its end. The simple reality is this. One day, you will be just like Jesus. One day, you will know that glorification that's only in him. Why? Because he's the one that's done the work in you. He's the one that's doing it in you. He's the one that he says sealed you until that day by the precious Holy Spirit himself. Nobody can get to you. Nothing can take you away. You see, it is the scriptures, the word of God, that leads us to saving grace in true scriptural salvation. Not what anybody, there's so many things that people are saying are salvation. But I'm saying the word of God, it'll lead you to true saving grace in a true spiritually sound, scripturally grounded salvation. And it's those same scriptures, the scriptures alone that can and will give you surety of that salvation. You see, if you don't know that you've done it God's way, the way the word of God, then before you do anything else with your life, you need to make sure that you've done it that way. Swallow your pride. Forget what anybody will think. There's nobody that can think anything that'll be as bad as one day because of what somebody else would think. You're not sure of your salvation. You're not sure that you've done it God's way. You know you've done something. You know you prayed a prayer. You know you did all these things that somebody told you to do. But if you're ever going to have surety, you've got to know that you've done it God's way. And if you have done it God's way, you don't need to doubt anything. You can have absolute certainty Because, folks, it's kind of hard on the one hand to have faith to believe this book in what Jesus Christ has done for you and completed for you for your salvation and not believe the same book that says if you truly do trust in that, that you're going to be taken out of that darkness, that you're going to be put into his kingdom, that you're going to be sealed until the day of redemption, that God is going to keep you safe and sure in Christ. You can't take one without the other. If you've got scriptural salvation, then it's a sound salvation, and it's a sure salvation. And today, I believe with all of my heart that there's so much junk going around today that's being called salvation. The people are being told makes them a Christian. And I'm saying, as we contend for the faith, The simple reality is that one of the things, you know, really, we've looked at some of these doctrines that are so vital and so important, but is there anything that can possibly be more important? Do any of them really matter what a person believes if they never come to the truth on this one, that they're genuinely scripturally saved, that they're born again? that they've been made a new creation and they know that with absolute certainty because of what God's word says. Well, we need to contend for that, folks.
We need to fight for that. Even if we are the odd person out, even if so much of the world is trying to make it something different, we need to stick with God's way. And we need to do it God's way. And I want to tell you this. No Christian's ever really, never really going to be effective for the Lord if they're struggling themselves as to whether they're really a Christian or not. You need to get settled. You need to know with absolute certainty that you've done what God says. And you need to know with absolute certainty that if you've done what God says, you're saved. You're born again. And nobody but nobody can take that from you. Father, we thank you this morning as we've looked at these few simple thoughts from your word. Scriptural salvation. It's so important. Lord, help us. Help us never, ever, ever, Lord, to remove ourselves, to compromise in any way, Lord, any part of what you've given us as your plan of salvation. Help us as individuals and help us as a congregation, Lord, to stand soundly and surely upon a salvation that's based totally and completely in you, in your work, in your word. We give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.